My brothers and sisters, we are the church gathered today because when we come together like this, we are coming from different circumstances, different situations, and God has brought us together to worship him. One of the things that I would like to remind us, just before Christmas, we took a detour from the book of Acts, but today we are actually going back to the book of Acts. You remember we left off on chapter 16 of the book of Acts, and we saw Paul and Silas had been arrested and thrown into jail, and there was a miraculous release. And they were begged by the magistrates to leave Philippi in Thessalonica. Now, you would have thought, my brothers and sisters, that after being asked by the magistrates to leave and seeing the danger of what they were doing, that they would have moved away from that Macedonian city and gone back home. But they didn't. My brothers and sisters, according to the world standards, Paul and Silas would fit into a category which we would call reckless men. Men who would move from trouble to trouble. And you ask yourself, why? And that is what we are looking at today. And we pray that the Lord will help us to open our minds, to open our hearts, to understand that indeed there was a mission that these men had been given by God. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you even as we look today at Acts chapter 17 verses 1 to 9, the power of spirit-led evangelism is our topic. That Holy Spirit just use us as your instruments, as you explain the word to your people, as you explain the word to us, that, Almighty God, we may understand the depth of your word to, to, to today, today, O oh Lord. Every single day of our lives, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will open up our minds, our hearts, to understand your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen. So we are proceeding with the book of Acts, and we are looking specifically at chapter 17, verses 1 to 9, and we are looking at the power of spirit-led evangelism. In other words, evangelism has to be led by the Holy Spirit himself. The book of Acts, my brothers and sisters, we often say the Acts of the Apostles, but actually the correct title will be the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles, because the Apostles were simply being used as instruments of the kingdom of God, which means the Holy Spirit is ready to use you and me in extending the kingdom of God. Remember, that is one of the aspirations that we have here at CBC, to extend the kingdom of God. But our Bible text is Acts chapter 17, verse 1 to 9, and I'll read very quickly. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, 
This Jesus whom I preach to you is the, Jesus, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews, verse 5, the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, they set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So this is the scenario, my brothers and sisters. These men have just moved from Macedonia, Philippi in Macedonia, and they came to Thessalonica. Trouble to trouble. Why? My brothers and sisters, we read in our call to worship, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. That when the Spirit, the Holy Spirit came upon these men of God, they would be given power to be witnesses. To be witnesses of God where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the rest of the world. Now, our own country and city, Harare, falls into the category of the rest of the world. Which means, therefore, my brothers and sisters, that mission which was given to the early brothers was effective and is effective today. Otherwise, you and I would not have heard any of the words that were being preached by Peter, Silas, and Paul, and the other brothers. So evangelism has been going on and on. Why? Because the Holy Spirit himself is the leader. And he uses you and I as instruments to propagate the word of God, to extend the kingdom of God. So our sermon today, I would like to look at five issues. Number one, evangelism takes you where the people are. Verse one. Verse two, evangelism is the heartbeat of Christian ministry. That's the second point. The third point, evangelism is meant to bring and cause change in human beings. Verse four. And number four, evangelism is an intrusion into enemy's territory. That is verses five. And then lastly, evangelism will turn the world upside down, verses six to nine. So that is our Acts chapter 17, verses one to nine, where we are seeing examples of how we should do evangelism. And remember the book of Acts, is a lesson to us as Christians as we understand what God is saying to us as we move in our Christian walk. But let us move on to point number one. Evangelism takes you to where the people are. My brothers and sisters, we should not be comfortable in our own corners when the church loses the vision of seeking out the lost, then we have lost the Great Commission mandate given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so we must remember, our mandate as CBC is to preach the word to the lost so that the lost may also get access to life. There is a story told, just quickly, of a community that lived by a coastline whose sea was very dangerous. And that sea was known for shipwrecks. So the community got together and said, look, let us put a shelter so that we can launch our boats now and again when there is a shipwreck to pick those who are desperate and bring them to the land. And for sure they did that. And initially, everything was moving very well. They would actually launch their boats and they would pick those who were desperate from the shipwrecks and bring them to the shelter. And it was successful. And so they decided to, some people decided to make donations to the shelter. And very soon they built a very beautiful building to represent that mission going into the sea. Before long, the building had nice carpets. There was a coffee machine. And so people would come and enjoy the coffee. They would enjoy the artistic impressions on the walls. Very soon it was a social club. People would come in to chat, to tell, oh, how is your kid, and so forth. And when there was a shipwreck, it became an inconvenience. And they were saying, why should we go out? In fact, when there was one shipwreck, and they brought in those who were hurt and so forth, they decided to say, but the guys are making our carpet dirty. They lost their original mission. It is told that there was a meeting where others broke off from this original mission, and they went down the coastline and built another building, but unfortunately, it turned to be the same. And so the whole coastline had all these mission houses which were of no use to those who were shipwrecked. Is it not characteristic of today's church, my brothers and sisters? Where you go into the city and the city is full of churches, but we have turned these churches into social clubs. Where we come in and we discuss about how work is, um, we talk about tea and coffee and so forth, and we forget that there are those out there, in fact, when the guys who are out there are screaming and making noise, we say, they are making noise for us. Instead of saying, that is where we should be, where the people are. So my brothers and sisters, Paul and Silas were going to Thessalonica because that is where the people were. And notice what he did when Paul and his team got to Thessalonica. Their focus was salvation of souls. This is a fundamental lesson for us at CBC. Remember Romans chapter 1 verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God for the salvation for everyone who believes. First the Jew and then the Greek. But also Romans chapter 10 verse 12 to 15 is a challenge to all of us. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever, I like this one very much, verse 18, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Doesn't matter whether you are black, yellow, brown, or whatever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then verse 14 says, how then shall they call on the him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in whom? In him of whom they have not heard. And how shall they hear 
without a preacher. Verse 15, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. My brothers and sisters, we must go to where the people are. Point number two, evangelism is the heartbeat of Christian ministry covered in verses 2 to 3. And look, look at what it says here, verses 2. Then Paul, as his customers, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. Our reasoning is not from science. Our reasoning is not from culture. Our reasoning is from the scriptures. So my brothers and sisters, evangelism, as Paul understood it, is the key occupation that we have. Remember, Brother Paul was a tent maker. But we don't hear much about his tent making. We hear much about him spreading the gospel. And so we expect even for ourselves, not to hear so much about our professions, but hearing more about how we are spreading the gospel. My brothers and sisters, CBC, evangelism should be the heartbeat of our ministry here. We should be going to Honde, Guruwe, Epweth, all these other places, preaching the gospel, putting up camp there, going back to our own villages, preaching the gospel, the salvation of souls. And our reasoning, my brothers and sisters, must be from the scriptures. Do we understand the scriptures? Do we know the scriptures? So that when we meet up with somebody, we can open the Bible and say, here it is. Look at what is written in the word of God. Verses 3 says, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. And saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. My brothers and sisters, the Jews were not understanding this because they did not expect a Messiah to die. But Paul is actually saying the Messiah had to die because without dying, there was no forgiveness of sins. And so you will notice the gospel is actually the message of the cross. It is the message about Jesus dying, being buried, rising again. And those who are in him, we have been saved from our sins. That is the gospel message. And Paul took time to reason with these Thessalonians, three Sabbaths, reasoning with them. Let us move to point number three. What then happened? Evangelism is meant to bring change and cause change. We see a tremendous change that has happened. Men and women who came and said, we give our lives to the Lord. Why? Because they had understood the word. My brothers and sisters, the word is supposed to bring change. If you become a Christian and you still remain the old same person, we begin to question, has the word really transformed your life? Because the, if the word of God is supposed to transform our lives. Remember, we always read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed. But then there is a reason why it is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for training us, for correcting us, 
so that we are thoroughly equipped for the things of God. In other words, there is transformation that takes place in our lives. So evangelism, when you take it to a group of people, it is supposed to cause those who are proud to fall on their knees and say, I surrender all. I surrender all. My brothers and sisters, we have articulated in CBC that our responsibility this year and our vision and focus is to turn people, the lost to become believers, believers to become members. That is why we have got a membership class today, starting today. So that those who have been in the church become members because we want to do that turning. Members into ministers, ministers into missionaries. And I remember we have got goals. CBS, CBC has got goals, 60 new believers. And we know, I remember we actually saying that that's an understatement. We should be seeing more so that we pull down these walls and have more people. So 60 new believers has been our goal. 100 new members. Seven 3DM hurdles. And Pastor Asafa will explain more of these hurdles when we have time. And then three, what we call 3DM missional communities. And so we want to see the gospel transforming people and changing people for real. That is what evangelism should do for us. Moving on to point number four, my brothers and sisters. Evangelism is an intrusion into enemy territory. And let us not forget this. Look at what happened here in verse 5. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace. You know, you thought it was just... Uh, the modern trend, isn't it? But even then, they had their own marketplace with evil men. And they went there, they gathered a mob, and they set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. And they were crying out, bring those men out. Bring them out, we want to deal with them. Now, some of the guys who were in the mob, if you would have asked them, why are you here? They would just say, oh, well, because everybody's here. Because it is easy to incite the marketplace. All you need is just mob psychology and everyone is in the street. You ask them for the reason why they are there. No, 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 no. It's because everyone else is here. And they will be shouting the, 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 their voices will be the topmost voices. Shouting, bring them out. You ask, what has he done? So we don't know. We just want to deal with them. That is what a mob is like. But this is reminding us, my brothers and sisters, as we move into evangelism, it is enemy territory because you are snatching people from the fire to life, from death to life, like John chapter 5, verse 24 would remind us. So we need to be clear, my brothers and sisters, that this is a mission to rescue souls. Look at what Jesus says in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. When Jesus commissioned the disciples, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He was giving an order to invade the enemy's territory with the gospel. Paul and his friends had turned the world into a spiritual battlefield. And that is what it is. It is a battlefield, my brothers and sisters. How do we win? 
on our knees. We pray, and that is why prayer in this church has become so significant in the sense that we must pray for all these outreaches that are taking place. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. When opposition is encountered, we must not be surprised. It is an indication that the word is becoming effective. And look at point number five, which is our last point. Evangelism will turn the world upside down. Verses six to nine. Look at what they said. They that have turned the world upside down are here also. In other words, those troublemakers you had in Macedonia, Philippi, they have also come here. My brothers and sisters, spiritually, this was a huge compliment to Paul and his team. They were being effective. There are people who, after they've preached for many years, no lives can be pointed which have been transformed. You find a pastor can be in a village and he just becomes a symbol of a church. But there is no turning the world upside down. My brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus Christ expects us, you and me, to turn the world upside down. So we hear now that they are at Jason's house. And so they are saying to Jason, bring the men out. Verse 7, Jason had harbored them. And these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar. Now, the irony, my brothers and sisters, is that these were words uttered by Jews. Jews who were oppressed by Caesar himself. Caesar was notorious for his atrocities. But for now, because there is a speaking of the King Jesus, they are now saying, the only one we know is Caesar. Now, does it not sound familiar that even when Jesus was being led to the cross, they demanded that we want Barabbas. Let him come out. A criminal who had a record of murdering people, but they wanted him out and say, crucify this Jesus. My brothers and sisters, that is the irony of mankind. All of a sudden, the Jews are happy with Caesar, but they are not happy with King Jesus. So there is going to be opposition, but it must not stop us from turning the world upside down. My last point, my brothers and sisters, is this, verse 8 and 9. We are told that, and they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. You know, you see what the world does. So no, give us your jackets and your whatever items you have got as security to make sure that you don't do it again. And so they took security from Jason and then they said, go, don't do it again. What they did not know, my brothers and sisters, is that the gospel was not going to be, take, to be stopped by taking security. So in fact, when the commotion happened, Paul and his team departed from that city of Thessalonica, and as you will see next week, they went to Berea. Now, Berea was another city 
where the word of God was going to be preached. And we know it's famous for those who search the scriptures to see that what was being preached was true. So what, did hap what happened here is that the commotion caused in Thessalonica actually only propelled the gospel to go to the next city. Nothing can stop the gospel. The gospel message is unstoppable. They are trying to stop it in many regions. The Middle East, China, Russia, we hear of underground Christians, but the gospels, the gospel message cannot be stopped. So what is the application for you and me uh, as my last topic here, or last point? The application for you and me, number one, let us shake ourselves from the club mentality, from the warmth of our sanctuary, and seek out the lost where the people are. Number two, evangelism is the heartbeat of any ministry. So CBC, we should be known for evangelism, more for evangelism than anything else. Number three, cause a turning, a change in people's lives. And then number four, realize that evangelism is warfare. Hence, we need to pray. Hence, we need to hold hands, support one another, and bring each other before the Lord. And number five, we must not hesitate to contribute to turning the world upside down. That is how we can be effective as a ministry as we move into the future. And so, my brothers and sisters, like we always say in our conclusion, if you know these things, Blessed are you if you do them. Don't wait for someone else. In your own sphere of influence, reach out to someone for Christ. I was sitting with a young man with my wife yesterday, and we were asking him, if you were to go today, right now, and be before God, and God asks you, why should I allow you into my kingdom? What would you say? And not many people can answer correctly. Many people will say, look, oh, because I, I, I don't steal. Oh, I don't drink beer. Oh, I don't smoke. I'm a very nice person. said, all those are like filthy rags. What is the one reason you can say? And he went around in circles. I said, Jesus, if God cannot see his son in you, war to you. And this is what we should do when we go and speak the word of God to many people. Jesus is the only interface between men and God. And so what are we doing? We are pointing people to Jesus. Because when they are in Jesus and they stand before the throne of judgment, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, when we stand before that throne of judgment and God sees his son in you, oh, blessed are you. Because he is our advocate. He is the one who speaks on our behalf. The license into heaven is Jesus. Not your good works. Not your qualifications. But Jesus and Jesus alone. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your word, which is amazing to us. The word, oh Lord, which is alive. The word which is the source of life. And I pray, Lord, that indeed you will activate us into activity which is directed by the Holy Spirit. 
when you said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive the Holy Spirit and you shall receive power to be my witnesses. May that be true for CBC today, Lord. May that be true for each and every one of us to indeed empowered by the Holy Spirit to move and execute evangelism as you have instructed. We pray all these things in the mighty, amazing name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Please let us rise and sing, tell the good news. My brothers and sisters, do not wait for an, a, a, what they call the best environment to speak the good news. Use any opportunity, every opportunity, any time to speak the good news. Let us sing. Let us stand and sing with gusto. Tell the good news. Five, six, six. Mm -hmm.